0: Hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Jed Clampett's favorite commodity could go higher. That's right, Texas tea, black gold, oil oil could go to $80. I wouldn't bet the house on it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the oil markets getting tighter depending on the fundamental known unknowns. The biggest of the unknowns are Iran and Venezuela. President Trump has until May 12th to waive the trade sanctions against Iran. And we know he's no fan of the Iran trade deal. And Venezuela well, their output is in free fall and workers are quitting and running for the hills. So supply could contract dramatically. It's all about supply and demand. On the demand side, emerging market growth drives oil demand and those markets are growing. I think the developed markets, well, their growth will also support demand for the rest of the year and into next. So supply could get tight, and demand could rise. The way I see it, oil prices could very well approach or exceed $80 this year. It's a good time to be invested in the integrated oil companies and the drillers. And if you need some ideas in these areas, well, you can refer back to some of the previous podcasts. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Glad you could join me today you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Earnings are coming out above expectations. The Washington Capitals are advancing to the second round of the playoffs where they're going to meet the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Wizards have even things up against the Raptors. So all in all, it's not a bad time to be in the Washington area. We have offices in Maryland and Virginia and clients all around the country. So don't be shy about contacting us if you don't live in the area. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most relied on metrics an individual investor uses, the PE, and how you might want to think about it. But first, I mentioned the emerging markets and the developing markets and how they're driving and supporting the demand for oil. So let's take a brief look at the world's markets. Now, you know I'm not a macroeconomist, but it seems to me that right now, The global economy is going through a soft patch, and this could weigh on stocks in the near term. But if trade friction fades into the background and global growth, which has been a major theme here, if global growth stabilizes over the coming months, and I expect that to be the case, global equities should rally to new highs. Granted, We are in the late stages of the business cycle, and U.S. interest rates are likely to move into restrictive territory later this year. Right now, I'm not worried about the 10-year hitting 3%. What I'm more worried about is the continued pace of the rate increases. I have the personal belief that the Fed raises four times this year as inflation starts to rear its ugly head, and that could present a problem, but that's down the road a bit. What's the problem? Recession. Monetary policy is a blunt tool, and there are lags between policy and the real economy. I wouldn't be surprised to see growth stall out in 2020, which seems like a lifetime away, but the markets are pretty darn good about sniffing out recessions. And if history is of any guide, it's usually about six months before the downturn begins. So if I'm right, that suggests that we still have about another 12 to 18 months of an equity bull market. And the late phases of the bull market are usually the most profitable as people get greedy. A wild card here is a big stimulus package out of Washington, which could extend things a bit. But for now, as I said, I'll probably, or as I've said before, I'll probably become more cautious as this year wears on. When I compare the Schiller PE ratio, and that's the PE ratio adjusted for inflation over the previous years, it's also known as the CAPE ratio. But when I compare the current Schiller PE and subsequent 10 years returns over the last century, it suggests that the market will deliver a total annualized return of only 4% going forward. And it's only modestly higher for markets outside the US. For now, I'd still be overweight equities, but I wouldn't argue if a long-term investor wanted to take a little money off the table. Earnings are, are starting to really heat up this week. When we finish the week, I think we'll have about half of the companies in the S&P have reported. Of the ones that have reported so far, a good number have been the large financial services companies. So I don't want to make too much of what's been reported so far, but the key takeaway this early on is that it's more important that companies don't disappoint than that they over-deliver. And at this point, they're doing both. U.S. Bancor reported decent numbers. Earnings per share came in at $0.96 versus consensus expectations of $0.94. Better interest income and expenses were offset by slightly lower fees. U.S. Bank Core, symbol USB, they're being valued in line with other large banks. I think that they deserve a slight premium because of their better relative returns and capital flexibility. With their solid execution and consistent results... I'd be a buyer here under $52. I've also had a number of people ask me about Pepsi, symbol PEP. The stock has gone from the low 120s to just above 100. It's at 102 today. If you have questions for me or the show, just email us at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. So, Pepsi, the stock has fallen more than 15% from its high over the last quarter. And really the question is, is it a buy? I think Pepsi is one of those core type companies. So I wouldn't argue with someone that wants to buy half now. They have a good balance sheet. No, actually they have a great balance sheet. They have a more diversified business than Coca-Cola they get high scores on earnings predictability and safety. This is really the quality type business you want to own, and it's paying better than a 3% dividend. This is really the kind of business you want to pay up for. But as you know, I'm cheap, and I can be kind of picky when it comes to valuations. At 102, the stock is trading at about 17 or 18 times this year's anticipated earnings of about $5.70 per share and 16 or 17 times next year's guesstimate of $6.15, uh, $6.15. Looking back over the last 15 years, they've traded down to as low as 14 times earnings. So, from that perspective, it has a little farther to fall. But on a relative basis, meaning relative to the market, It's about as cheap as it's been over the last 15 years. So if you're a long-term investor, not a trader, but a long-term investor, I think you can buy half now now, and then buy the other half if it goes lower. It's time for me to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about one of the ways you can value stocks. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard you've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301 770 5234. Well, thank you, and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Let's talk about some fundamentals. One of the ways that you can value stocks, and that's through PE. I've said before valuation measures have been terrible market timing tools in the short term, but they're very good longer term. So today, I want to talk about PEs, how you determine a PE, how do you utilize the PE in investing, and the importance of the price-to-earnings ratio. That's what PE stands for. Hopefully, this will answer some of your questions regarding valuations. On a long-term basis, There are really two major ways to make money on a stock. Number one is earnings growth. The earnings growth of a company is going to play a huge role in you making money. If earnings growth is 10% a year, you're going to get a 10% type of return given certain assumptions. Number two, that assumption is what happens to the PE. So there are two ways to make money through earnings growth, and through changes in the price-to-earnings ratio. Let's say a company is trading at a PE of 10. And for the next seven years, it grows at 10% a year. That means in roughly seven years, its earnings per share will have doubled. That's the rule of 72. If during that period, people are deciding that, hey, this is a pretty darn good company. It's been growing at 10% and I don't think it should trade at a 10 multiple. I think it should trade at a 20 multiple. How much money have you made on that stock in seven years? Don't worry, I'll do the math here for you. 10% a year earnings growth means a double in earnings. Again, the rule is 72. But you've increased the PE from a 10 to 20. You've doubled the PE, so you've made four times your money on a 10% grower. And half of that return came because of a change in the PE. So it's very important to understand. What determines the price to earnings ratio? I'm glad you asked. I could do an hour on it, but I'll bring it down to its very basics. It would be two factors. One would be interest rates, and number two would be expectations, expectations of future growth. Again, PE is the stock price divided by earnings per share. In other words, how much are you willing to pay for a dollar's worth of earnings? If interest rates on CDs go from say 1% to 4%, what's going to happen to the PE of the market? Well, in general, it's highly likely that it's going to drop. Why? Because you have this other great alternative out there. Hey, now you can go out and get a 4% CD with no risk, and when you look at stocks, well, you realize there's definite risk there, so you're not going to be as likely or be as willing to pay as high of a price when you have this no-brainer, no-risk type of investment out there, so rising interest rates typically mean the PE multiple of the market and stocks will come down and vice versa. Low interest rates means there are low, uh, little competition for stocks, and you tend to have to pay more for them. Like where we are now, interest rates are extremely low, and the PE multiples are above their long-term average. At some point, the equity markets will run into trouble because of the rise in interest rates. Now, another determinant of the PE ratio would be the expectations of the future. If we investors believe that there's going to be a recession, there's a recession on the horizon, and it's going to cause earnings to go down, well, you're not going to be willing to pay as much for the current earnings because they're going to be lower in the future. So the PE will drop because we're pessimistic. This is the important part. Value investors as a group, Believe in mean reversion, meaning that lower prices will revert to their normally higher prices and vice versa. Higher prices will over time revert to what they've typically been in the past. At least it works the majority of the time. And that's why you can go out and blindly buy a big basket. Of the lowest PE stocks out there, the most out-of-favored stocks on Wall Street. You don't do any qualitative analysis. You're not figuring out whether the company is going to grow or if they're generating free cash flow. You know, you don't worry about the balance sheet or if they're paying a dividend or whatever. You just go out and buy the lowest PE stocks out there. And doing this has yielded remarkable results over time. There are probably 100 studies showing exactly this, and I'm sure you can probably go out and find 100 studies that contradict my 100, but I believe mine is right. It's all about mean reversion. These out of favor stocks will, over time, revert back to being average companies or maybe even in-favor-type companies Truly, mean reversion is a law of nature in the financial markets. It's why you should pay close attention to historic relative PEs. In other words, where the stock has traded PE wise relative to the rest of the market. And you can find that out in Value Line. If a stock has historically traded at a higher than average multiple, because it was thought of as maybe a great growth company, and suddenly a few years later, it's trading at a significant discount to the market? Well, maybe you're onto something there. Maybe that's a bargain. Maybe the PE will move back to its more normal type trading range. But let me go back to my original reason for the discussion on PEs. The formula to use in investing to determine your future returns on a stock is pretty simple. It's earnings growth plus the dividend, and that'll give you the total return, assuming no change in PE. Earnings growth plus dividend gives us the total return. So let's say you buy a stock and it's growing at 10% and it's paying a 2% dividend. You're going to get 12% assuming no change in the PE multiple. It's going to change If you're buying it at a below average multiple, that mean reversion will probably give you a little extra juice, a little extra return above your 12%. But also implied in that formula is the knowledge of their future earnings growth, which is why qualitative analysis is so darn important. If you're looking at something like a copper miner or an oil company, You really have no idea of what their earnings are going to look like in, say, three, five, or seven years. Really, none whatsoever. While if you're looking at something like a utility or a beverage company, well, people are going to continue to drink their sodas and they're going to continue to use the lights and so on. Well, you can get a pretty decent feel for what the earnings are going to look like in the future. And normally, you would pay more for predictability, or at least I would argue that you should pay more for predictability. You should almost always assign a low multiple for unpredictable companies like the miners and the oil companies, and you should pay higher multiples for ones that are predictable my point of all this discussion is that figuring out the proper PE is very important to your total returns. Determining if a stock is currently trading at a multiple that's justified, whether or not it ought to trade at above average market multiple or below market multiple and understanding that typically there'll be a reversion to the mean. So it's very important to understand how the market comes up with its overall PE multiple and how it's looked upon. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next Wednesday, where we may be able to talk about a new stock I'm buying. But until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you, It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.